0: Just gonna talk not for very long this morning. I'm gonna to hope to talk for about 20 minutes, half an hour, just because we've already tried to we've already had a time of presenting this building project. But um, part of our vision series every year is we look at our at the beginning of each year, we look at our vision statement, rooted in Christ, planted in family, fruitful in life, and we try and remind ourselves of what God has called us to. As a church, and so for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be looking again at what it means to root ourselves in Christ. One of the things I want to look at right now um, is is the basis of what we do is we try and root people in Jesus, and part of that is rooting people in the Word of God, and helping people understand that the Bible really is the living and active Word of God. And this really is a huge subject to kind of think about, and it's much more than I can do in 20 minutes. So I'm just going to introduce some thoughts this morning, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack them a little bit more. Um, I've been reading a, a book over the holidays. In particular, it's been really helpful. A guy called Timothy Ward wrote a book called Words of Life, which has been so helpful in my personal journey of thinking through these things. But let me just start by saying this, that throughout Christian history, from the beginning of the first century until now, the overwhelmingly predominant view of the Bible is that it is the living and the active Word of God. And I could put it another way people use this kind of phrase when they try to describe what that means. They say this what the Bible says, God says. In other words, God speaks directly to us through His Word, through the Bible. It's living, it's active, it's alive. And that's been the orthodox view of Christianity ever since the first century. It's my personal conviction. It's what I still hold to, and it's uh, in line with what Christians have believed for centuries, that the Bible has been and is God's Word to us. That's my starting point this morning. However, since the Enlightenment, since the 18th century, and particularly in the UK since the 1950s, this has become especially a difficult view to hold because it has been undermined and challenged by various um, intellectuals and, and also th- philosophically in particular over these last couple of hundred years. Um, and so it's not an easy view to hold. It's a, it's a challenging view to hold, but it is what God has given us as, as believers to hold on to. And at the same time, it doesn't make the Bible any easier to understand um, for, for yourself, And I found this over the years of leading church um, in various contexts, that there's an underlying particular worry amongst some Christians that it's not very far below the surface uh, of their lives. And the heart of this worry is simply this, that if we insist that the Bible is God's authoritative word, and we pay great attention to it, and we honor it, that somehow we're going to fail to pay the necessary attention to Jesus that we need to pay to Jesus. And uh, you might let me just unpack a little bit more so you, so you hear what I'm, why I say that. Um, and the other thing I've discovered is this, that often people have concerns about the Bible or, or questions about the Bible, and they think that their concerns or questions are brand new ones, that no one's thought of them before. <laughs> I just want to say to you, the more the longer I'm a Christian, uh, the more I know this and I've understood this. There, any, any question that you might have about the Bible, I prom- promise you someone else has thought of it already. And these questions about Jesus and the Scripture have been around for centuries. And so it's rarely the case that our concerns are absolutely new. There's always been a context and a history throughout the centuries. So this basic concern that people have, you know, if we pay attention to the Bible, somehow we're not going to pay attention to Jesus and it's all going to get out of proportion. I've heard it expressed in different ways. You know, some of the ways that this kind of thought is expressed. People say things like this. Jesus came to promise us abundant life and life in all its fullness. And, you know, we can experience all of that without the Bible. We just need the Holy Spirit, and it's all going to be cool. We don't, don't need to worry so much about the Bible. Why do you worry so much about what it says and spend so many hours thinking about what it says and what this verse means and what that verse means? That's one way I've heard it expressed, same kind of concern. Or a second way people express it is this, does the life of the Spirit that we want to enjoy, does that center around hours and hours of discussing what the Bible might say, or rather don't we just get that through fellowship and worship and the Spirit, surely we get it like that. So it's a similar kind of way of expressing it. Or I've heard this as well. In particular, someone spoke to me about this about five or six years ago. He said this, you know, why why are the meetings, why are the meetings centered around preaching? What we need to do is have everyone just contribute and, and, and be relaxed and happy. And that's really what's going to build the church. You you're too fussy about preaching. You see, it's a similar view, you know? Don't make so much. Fuss about the Bible, make much of Jesus, and that 's all we need and uh, this has even been um, expressed in, in people writing these same things down so for example, um, uh, the last thing I wanted to say is this you know i've also had someone say, uh, you know jesus Jesus was really irritated with the Pharisees because they, they were the ones that got so concerned with the scripture, and they were they were the ones that kind of got involved with the minutiae of, of Scripture, and then they lost the heart of what God was saying. And Jesus didn't like that. So actually, we shouldn't be too concerned about Scripture. We should just be concerned about Jesus. I've, I've heard that been said to me as well. Same same kind of concern. You know, Jesus wants disciples. He doesn't want bookworms. Have you heard that? Same Same thing, same idea. And so there was a biblical scholar, a guy called John Barton, who kind of... Was trying to encourage people to think like this about that we need only need Jesus and don't need the Scripture. And he said this. He said, uh, and I'm quoting him now. He says, "It's not primarily the Bible that is the Word of God, but Jesus Christ." I do not think that I could find one single Christian who would dissent from this proposition, for to do so would plainly to be commit the sin of bibliography. Biblio- Adoratory, which is the elevation of the Bible above Christ himself. And then he says this, Christians are not those that believe the Bible, but those that believe in Jesus. So he's saying it quite plainly. So on first view, when I read that, I thought, well... Perhaps this is, it looks, it's quite reasonable, isn't it? I mean, of course, it's absolutely true that we are in a living relationship with a living Savior, and that's the most important thing. And we're not called to give our devotion towards pages on a book. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with John Barton in this case. But you see, if you look carefully at the words, he says, Christians are not those that believe in the Bible, but those that believe in Jesus Christ. He's forcing a dichotomy on us, which we don't have to choose between. He's saying this, either you believe in the Bible or you believe in Jesus. I say to you, absolutely, with all the conviction in my heart, we believe in both. You don't have to choose between Jesus or the Bible. To be a Christian, I would put it quite simply, to be a Christian is simply to the way you demonstrate that in the most basic way is to be obedient to what the bible says that's what it means to be a christian and so my case a my best witness to this is of course jesus christ jesus had the old testament the torah the pentateuch as a jewish man he would have he he loved and studied the Pentateuch, and for him in the life of Jesus, he treated the Old Testament as God's word to him himself, which he responded to. And surely, if Jesus is our example, we should have the same view of the scripture. It is God's word to us, the God of eternity speaking through human beings. And I'm going to look at this next week how Jesus says he is the word incarnate, he is the one from eternity who before time was, and he was receiving words from his father in eternity. And when he came to earth, all he was doing was taking the words that he had heard his father speak and demonstrating them through his life and through his miracles to everyone who would listen. So Jesus treated the Old Testament like this. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to do this, try and do this. I want to try and articulate and explain and defend what we mean when we say that Jesus uh, th- that the Bible really is God's Word, what we mean by that as, as, as Christians, and try and describe the nature of the relationship between God and the Scripture. And I want to try and explain what I'm going to try and do by asking some questions, uh, which will illustrate what I'm trying to say. So, for example, why is it that in order to worship God faithfully, we need to pay, pay, pay close attention to what the Scripture says? Why is it? When you think about that. Secondly, why is it all in, in order for me to be a faithful disciple of Jesus myself, who is the Word made flesh, that I need to base my life on the Scripture? Why do I need to do that? Why, why is it that in order to walk in step with the Spirit, as we say in this church, we want to hear the voice of the Spirit, we want to be obedient to Him, why is it that in order to w- w- walk in step with the Spirit, I need to personally trust and obey the Scripture for my life? Why is it? And how do I do all of that, <laughs> how do I do all of that and continue to love Jesus with all of my heart and not begin to worship a book? Does that make sense? So in other words, I, I'm, I'm trying to want to unpack with you a doctrine of what the Scripture is, and um, there's a couple of steps that all build on each other, okay? And I, I'm just going to give these to you this morning. As we finish, the first the first is this: is that there's an outline to the Bible that we need to be aware of, and um, this outline of the Bible describes the relationship between God and Jesus on the one hand, and the words and actions of God and Jesus on the other. There's a relationship between these things, and so I think we're going to find this: that the words of the Bible, the Scripture are an absolutely essential and significant part of God's actions into the world. Yes? He speaks, and He acts, and He tells us in His Word what He's going to do, and He speaks and acts through His Word, and that is demonstrated by the life of Jesus and the power of the Spirit and through our lives into our world, into our context, into the place that we live. And that is what the Scripture is. It's live and active and powerful, and it's a demonstration. God is speaking about what He wants to do into history and His plan of redemption, and He does that through His Word, and it's lived out by Jesus, and it's lived out by the power of the Spirit in your mouth and my life. Amen. This is this is what the Bible is, and we're going to see that vitally. Simply, we need to start at that place because the, the Scripture, the Bible, is the history. It is the story of god's revelation and his redemption his plan of redemption for the world it starts with with god's promises to his people his covenant promises to his people and it comes to the climax with the birth the, the life the death the resurrection and the ascension of his son and who is the word made flesh this is the story and the story spreads throughout the whole world through the outpouring of the holy spirit and through the preaching and living out of the gospel, the story spreads. Johnny, what's the book you're reading? The Day the Revolution Began. The revolution began when the cross, uh, on the cross of Jesus Christ, and there's been a revolution been happening ever since then, and we are part of it. It's a revolution of love that has swept this planet for 2,000 years, and it's because of Jesus. Amen. Okay, maybe I'm... <laughs> keep going... And so then I want to say this, if we say the Bible is God's Word and it is living and it is active, it must be based in His story, in the words that He is speaking, in His plan for redemption, in the history of, the, of His story that is, is, is shown through, through His Scripture. It has to be based in that if it is. The living and active Word of God. And that's why I love Hebrews 4.12. It says this. It uses this language, and you know the Scripture well. For the Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's what the Scripture is. It's powerful. It has power to transform your life my life, it is the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, demonstrated through people writing it down and living it out. This is the power of the Scripture. That's where we want to root you in, that you would believe that for yourself. Secondly, I want to focus on how the Scripture has a relationship and a role with each of the members of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus especially on Jesus And the reason for me doing this is that we don't want to talk about the Bible um, without structuring around God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because if we do that, then a a couple of unfortunate things begin to happen. First of all, it means that for some people, Scripture, the Bible, just becomes an appendix to the main thing. This is what I mean. You know, the main thing is the great things that Christians believe. The, the, the main thing is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit expressed in what we believe as Christians through, for example, the creeds. Do you know the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed? In the early centuries of the church, what began to happen was people would come and say, already from the first century, people were saying, oh, no, Jesus is not really fully God." You know he's just an, he's just a superhuman. Or other people said, "Oh no, Jesus is not really fully man. You know, he was just kind of like this this um, being that kind of floated through." this earth, but he wasn't fully human. Uh, He he, he was, was more God than he was human. And so to counter those kind of arguments, the church had councils where they called together the apostles and the church fathers, and they said, okay, what do we think about this? And they came up with the creeds, the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed, which are summaries of what Christians believe in terms of their theology and what they hold to. And I just want to read the Apostles' Creed to you because it's so powerful and so brilliant, and you know it well. It simply says this. We sing it sometimes in this church, parts of it. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, Our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic there just means communion. It doesn't mean denomination. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I believe. This is the creed we believe. And sometimes people get this view of the Bible that actually it's just the introduction. You kind of like agree the terms on which you can discuss the important things, and the important things are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is just kind of the the means through which you do that. But I want to put it to you that the Bible is the lifeblood; it is the heartbeat of theology. It's not just an addendum. It is the very thing that that drives the whole thing forward is the Word of God encapsulated, loved, taught, lived out. The Word of God is active and powerful. I want you to be rooted in, in that this year. And so... Our attempts to uh, understand the Bible as the living and active Word of God must be shaped right from the foundation, from the bottom up, with the character, the Word, the actions of God, all of which show who He is and are demonstrated through the life and the actions of His precious Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we begin to understand the authority of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture and how we can practically demonstrate that in our own lives. And that only makes sense within the story of God's redemption, as the Bible shows, with God's words and actions through His Son, by the power of His Holy Spirit. One of the great, uh, finished with this this morning, one of the great slogans of the Reformation was this, sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I found that a challenge to think, well, what does that actually mean for me in my life? How does that, how can I best understand that? And what does that mean in the context of a Christian community? What does that mean in the context of a church, sola scriptura? How do we understand that? How do we think about that? And how do we implement that in a local church? And so these are the kind of questions that I want to explore with you over the next couple of weeks. And I trust that as you hear and God builds into your life, and you can apply this to your own life, you'll begin to see that uh, doctrine of the Scripture, a doctrine of the Bible is is not something that is just an appendix to your life, but will in your daily devotion and your walk with God as a disciple of Jesus will only make your life more faithful, more dynamic more fun, more life-giving to other people as you continue to root yourself in God's Word and let His Word, which is powerful and active, transform your life from the inside out so that your life is a demonstration of the gospel and the kindness of God to every single person that meets you. That is why we want to be rooted in Christ. That is why we want to be rooted in God's Word, because it really, really matters it is the heartbeat of our lives amen let me pray for you pray with you and we've even finished a little bit early this morning so johnny do you want to come we're going to sing some more as we close let's pray let's pray this morning our father i want to thank you so much at the beginning of this year for who you are that you're a good father to us Jesus, we thank you for who you are, that you are the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for who you are, the paracletos, the one that walks alongside, the one that links arms with us, enables us to walk through this life, whatever it holds, with our heads held up high, knowing that we are loved and that we have a future of glory together with you. Jesus, I pray right at the outset of this this whole new year with all that lies ahead and the joy of everything that lies ahead. God, I pray that we would love your words in an increasingly deeper way, that you'd help us to, to have the fire inside our bellies that would want us, that would enable us to read and to think and to study and to talk and to encourage and to pray for each other as we journey together. That really your word in our lives, Jesus, would become living and active by the power of your Holy Spirit in a whole fresh way this year. And Lord, we look to you for a demonstration of your power this year. That the church would continue to grow and thrive. And we'll see many saved and many healed and many delivered out of darkness into light because of your great love. And simply as we love you and love your word, that you do all of these things powerfully as a demonstration of who you are into this community. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Everyone says, Amen.